Thanksgiving season is behind us, and now Advent is just beginning, and we'll bridge the gap between those two today on Encounter God's Truth. I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you to stay tuned to this final message in a series called Viewing Christ in the Scriptures. In it, theologian Dr. John Whitcomb surveyed the Bible following the method that Jesus himself used on the day of his resurrection in Luke chapter 24, one of Dr. Whitcomb's favorite passages. We're finding that this study, focusing on Christ, forms the perfect backdrop to our celebration of Thanksgiving and now our preparations for Christmas. In this lesson, we're going to apply what we've learned and focus on the response that Jesus' teaching received from three apostles, John, Peter, and Paul. So if you're able, please turn with us to the book of 1 John, chapter 1. Here's Dr. John Whitcomb with a message he called, Christ, Our Life. Dear friend, thank you so much for staying with us as we have explored the amazing episode on that road to Emmaus 2,000 years ago as the newly resurrected Christ and Savior confronted two men who were deeply depressed, and he had to rebuke them. Yes, gently, but solid. Oh, fools, foolish ones, to be so slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. And we have surveyed in recent weeks some of those Old Testament prophecies and the writings of Moses and Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, the minor prophets and so forth. But you might say, well, I don't understand all these things. It's too complicated, too difficult. How can I really know who Jesus is and really, really relate to him? Well, now we're going to turn from those two on the road to Emmaus to two of the inner circle of Jesus' apostles, namely John, who was the center person. He was the one who was closest to Jesus of all the apostles and also to the chief of the apostles, Peter. Listen to what John says. The first letter he wrote, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld and our hands handled concerning the word of life. That's Jesus. He was so close to Jesus, he could touch him, he could hear him, he could see him, he could behold his glory. Yes, listen to verse 2. And the life was manifested, and it's no longer hidden. You could say, well, I don't see it, but God says you can. Just open your spiritual eyes. Now listen. John said, we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Notice his name for Jesus, the eternal life. You remember Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the what? The life. Yes, the life of salvation forever. Now, verse 3. What we have seen over and over, he says, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen, I've beheld. Yes, he's a witness. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write so that our joy may be made full, complete. Isn't that amazing? Here we are over nearly 2,000 years from the writing of the Apostle John here to his beloved disciples. He says we can see him with our spiritual eyes. We can hear him with spiritual ears. We can fellowship him in our heart of hearts. These things, John says, we write so that our joy may be made complete. 
And friends, it is my joy to be able to share with you what God did to me one day. I was a godless evolutionist at Princeton University in the summer of 1942, and I was invited to a Bible class. I didn't want to go. But finally, Christian friends prevailed upon me, prayed for me, and I heard the gospel. And by February 43, I came to the Savior. Old things passed away from me, friends. All things became new. I became teachable. The word of God then became my authority. I wanted right then and then, that night, to be a Bible teacher. And thank you, Lord, for the privilege of doing that through these years. Now, you see, John is going to talk on very practical terms, dear friends. Listen carefully, because we're trying to make this personal, applicable to every person who might say, well, I don't understand these things, the things that happened long ago, the Bible is too difficult, or I have all kinds of sins that God will never forget. Listen, listen carefully now. First John 1, 5, this is the message which we've heard from him and announced to you that God is light. In him there's no darkness. God doesn't deceive anybody. He doesn't talk both sides of his mouth. No, he speaks truth, absolute truth, the light. Because if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. That is the most difficult thing to see a person who claims to know Christ, claims to be a pastor, teacher, theologian, and doesn't really believe what God has said about Jesus. How tragic, how tragic. We do not practice the truth if we're doing that. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. Look at that cleansing agency. The blood of Jesus. Yes, you remember John the Baptist said of Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not the blood of an animal, but the blood of the God-man Jesus. Wipes away sin for those who believe him. Now, what do you have to do to believe him? How how does this come right down to my practical, personal, personal experience and need? Well, John says in 1 John 1, 8, If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. And the truth, that's Jesus now, said, I am the way, the truth. The truth is not in us. Be careful to say, I have no sin problem. I'm just fine. No, no. But there's hope. Listen to this. 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, in other words, if we tell God, yes, I have deviated from your known revealed will. I do not qualify to be in your heaven, God. I desperately need your help. What will happen? If you confess your sin, he will what? He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. And not just that. Now listen. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's amazing. We become part of his family, his bride, his body. And someday, in a practical experiential way, we'll wake up in heaven without any sin. Are you preparing spiritually to get the most out of this Advent and Christmas season? To help you, we've preserved more than 1,300 of Dr. Wickham's broadcasts, sermons, lectures, and writings in the library at sermonaudio.com slash Whitcomb. These are timeless truths for changing times, and they're always available no matter when you need them or where you are. We invite you to visit our online classroom often at sermonaudio.com slash Whitcomb. 
And remember to join us on social media throughout the holidays to offer your sacrifices of praise. Feel free to leave a comment when you visit us at facebook.com slash Ministries. Right now, we turn back to listen again to Dr. John Whitcomb and the final segment in our series called Viewing Christ in the Scriptures. Now, the Apostle John was the heart of the Twelve. He was the one closest to Jesus, always finding himself as close to Jesus as he could be. But the official apostle, because of his courage and his boldness, as we know, in spite of all his failures, was the Apostle Peter. So Peter and John were the two center, two of the three in the center, Peter, James, and John. But uh, listen to what Peter has to say. Uh, This is amazing and so encouraging to me, personally. In the last verses of the last chapter of 2 Peter, his last letter, he talks about some things you and I need to know, friends. He says, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, he's been talking about how the world will end and the thousand-year kingdom and the eternal state, these promises that we're looking for a new heavens, a new earth, in which dwelt righteousness. He says, Beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. Not just justified, but, you know, like Lot was a justified person, but he was not a consistent, faithful believer. We know that. So sad from the book of Genesis, chapter 19. But we're to be faithful. And yet, we have so many problems, don't we, friends, with understanding the Bible. So Peter admitted, he said, I have some problems too. I can't even fully understand what the Apostle Paul wrote sometimes. Isn't that an amazing admission? So the Apostle Peter now, speaking of the Apostle Paul, who was not one of the twelve, he said, Regard the patience of our Lord to be salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul. You remember Paul had to rebuke Peter openly, publicly, according to Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. When Cephas, as Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, that's the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, he used to eat with the Gentiles. He was beginning to realize that Gentiles could be Christians without becoming Jews. But when they came, that is from Jerusalem, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision, the Jewish believers. And the rest of the Jews joined with him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in the presence of all, if you being a Jew live like the Gentiles, in other words, you agree that Gentiles can be believers, and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? Your example is dividing the church. Well, you would think that Peter would say, I'm through with the Apostle Paul forever. But no, he realized that Paul spoke the truth in what? In love. How thankful we are that Peter responded correctly to that confrontation. So now he says in the last words of his final letter, 2 Peter three fifteen, Our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, what things, how the world will end, the tribulation, the second coming, the kingdom, the eternal state, these things. In Romans 8, Romans 9 to 11, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians 4, 2 Th- all these passages in which Paul deals with future events. Now listen, some things in which are some things hard to be understood. Of course, it's not simple, but we need patience. 
We need the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit, yes, to help us understand the basic truths that he has revealed. Now listen to this. Peter says of Paul, which the untaught, that is, the, the hard things, the things hard to be understood in Paul's writings, which the untaught and unstable distort as they do the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. You see, he puts Paul's writings, his letters, on the same par with Scripture because they were part of the Bible. Thirteen letters from Paul, a major part of the New Testament. But we don't want to twist those words, take them out of context, make them say what they don't say, and thus lead to our our destruction. Destruction in what way? Well, at the judgment seat of Christ, we'll lose rewards, friends. We'll be saved, yes, but so as by fire. We don't want to be what? confronted by Jesus for having distorted, denied, misinterpreted his precious word. So I say, well, that's amazing. Lord, help me, like John and Peter, to interact beautifully, humbly, patiently, lovingly to Jesus Christ, the Savior, that I might understand what he meant by what he said in the only book he's ever written. And I need help, friends, and so do you. So when we get to the inner circle of Jesus' apostles, John and Peter, we can see that they too had a confrontation with Jesus, eye to eye, heart to heart, that is an example of what can happen to us in the spiritual realm today. There were 2,000 years nearly removed from those events. Jesus is just as alive today at the right hand of the Father as he was then. And I'm sure that Peter and John, having been in heaven over 1,900 years, will never cease to marvel at the grace, the love, the holiness, the purity, the glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So friends, as we walk through life together today, our purpose in these studies, in these thoughts from the Bible, is to say, dear friend, walk with him along life's pathway. Listen to him. Respond to him when he says, believe me, trust me, because we have the God-given capacity, remember, with our heart, mind, soul, spirit, and conscience that God created for the purpose of the Holy Spirit's illuminating work through the written word of God, especially today, to understand, believe, obey these things. So friends, just like Jesus constantly invited his apostles to come closer, closer to him, two of them, yes, one of them, John, did that very thing. And today he's saying, dear child, dear child of mine, come closer. Let's talk. Sit down. Let's talk. Let's share together the things of God. By the Spirit of God, the Holy Scriptures will be illuminated and understood sufficiently, if not completely, sufficiently to have a glorious walk step by step through life's darkness, to reflect His light into other people's darkness, that we might be in the inner circle of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a happy ending that will be for our life to hear Jesus say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Friend, thank you so much for tuning in, for sharing with us in this radio ministry that God is opening up for a purpose at this time in your life and mine, the the time in the world where people are becoming depressed and gloomy to think of the awful darkness that is coming upon us. But Christ is the light of the world and he wants us to set our mind on him. That was the problem the two on the road to Emmaus had, you remember. They were setting their minds on themselves. We are sorry. We are sad. We are frustrated. Jesus said, look at me. Listen to me. And so, like Paul said to the church at Colossae, 
Colossians chapter 3, what a loving letter. Listen to this, how it applies to you and me today. If then you have been raised up with Christ, now Christ rose from the dead, yes, that's the one who walked on that road to Emmaus, a resurrected Christ. But listen, you and I, by faith in him, his finished work, we experience a, a resurrection with him. We're raised up with Christ, yes. Keep seeking the things above. Are you doing it? Am I doing it? What things above? Outer space, the moon, the stars? No. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, above the universe, that's where Jesus, your Savior and mine, is now enthroned. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. That's my moment-by-moment moment problem, friends, and that's the, one of the purposes of this radio ministry, to set our minds not on ourselves, our circumstances, our frustrations, our weakness. No, to set our mind on Christ. That takes a little discipline, doesn't it? That the Spirit of God is infinitely concerned. He intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He wants us to set our mind on the things above where Christ is located. Now, how can we do that? How can we do that? And the answer is shocking. Verse 3, For you have died. Well, how can I do anything that's that wonderful if I'm dead? Now listen carefully here. And your life, your new life, through faith in Jesus, is hidden with Christ in God. You have died to self, to sin. You are now alive with a new life in Christ if you put your faith in his finished work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Your new life is hidden with Christ in God. Now listen to how this is going to end. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. He's coming back, friends, perhaps even today. He says, be ready, you don't know the hour or the minute when the Son of Man returns. And then you will see him as he is. He knows you. He loves you. He has spoken to you and me by his Holy Spirit over and over again through his precious word, the Bible. So as we walk on our road to Emmaus, with Jesus walking beside us like he did with those two, I say, Lord Jesus, our hearts are burning. Tell us, teach us, show us the way. And you know, Colossians makes it so clear that we, we just can't get along without him. Why? Colossians 2, 3, for in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus has all the answers to everything. Everything I really need to know the really important issues of life and death and eternity and sin and redemption, creation and destiny. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Well, who is this person, Jesus? Well, Colossians goes on to say, chapter 2, verse 9, for in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And listen, in him you have been made complete. He is divine. He is human two natures, one person at the right hand of God forever. And you and I have been made complete in him. And I say, Lord, that is an amazing thing, absolutely amazing, that I should be complete in him. And so what should we do? Colossians 2.19, we need to hold fast to the head, that's Jesus, from whom the entire body, supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. Don't say to yourself, I, I don't understand all this. I don't want anybody to rule my life, to tell me what to do. I have my plans, my priorities. I'm going to rule myself. You don't say that to God. It's, it's like your human hand saying to the brain, to the head, I'm tired of being told what to do. 
I'm just going to cut myself off from the arm and the body and do my thing. It'll immediately what? Become useless, motionless, and begin to shrivel and pale away, fade away. So friend, join us as we study together in this encounter with God's truth from week to week. Pray that God's light, love, truth, power, joy, hope will flood our minds and hearts as we reflect the life, the power, and the glory of Jesus, our Savior, into the lives of other people. Family, friends, neighbors, loved ones everywhere desperately need to hear this. Join with us in this radio ministry from week to week. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for tuning in. And God be with you, friend, and meet your deepest need that only God can do through Jesus Christ, our glorified Savior. You're listening to Encounter God's Truth from Whitcomb Ministries, and that's the voice of our founder, the late Dr. John Whitcomb. Please connect with us on our website, whitcombministries.org. Although this study is concluding, thank God that His Word remains true from the beginning to the end. We also thank Him for His faithfulness in allowing us to continue this ministry with our wonderful broadcast partners on radio and the Internet. And that brings us to a question that I was able to ask Dr. Whitcomb. We know that the Lord Jesus suffered physically and was put to death for our sins, so we wonder, why was it necessary that He rose physically from the dead, and how should that truth impact our lives today? How amazingly important it is to understand that Jesus Christ the Lord rose physically from the dead. As Paul begins his great doctrinal treatise called the Book of Romans, he says it this way in chapter 1, verse 3, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, that's Mary, from whom he received his human nature and descended from David. But listen to this now, who was declared the Son of God with power, by what? By the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. That absolutely confirmed his claim to be the Savior of the world. Now Paul goes on to say in Romans 4, the last verse, 25, He was delivered up because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. In other words, because he paid the price, overcame death, rose from the dead physically, now we know that our sin has been taken away and we stand justified before God. Now, problem church at Corinth, yes, had all kinds of problems, doubts, fears, heresies, and to them he wrote in chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15:12. Now, he said, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how does some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then what? What difference does it make? Here it is, friends. Our preaching is vain and your faith also is vain. It's empty, worthless. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God. Why? Because we witnessed against God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. Now this is absolute logic, isn't it? If the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. How awful. Then those who have fallen asleep, who have died in Christ, believing in Christ, have perished. They're gone. There's no eternity no hope. God's promises have failed. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen. And so, Wayne, the important thing to realize 
is how this impacts our personal life as a believer, that something really happened in history. We're not just dreaming. In fact, at the beginning of Old Testament history, back there in the time of Job, not long after the Genesis flood, he made this amazing statement about the resurrection of the Savior. Job 19.25, As for me, said Job, I know that my Redeemer lives. Now listen, and at the last he will take his stand on the earth. Take his stand. He has to have a body to do that, doesn't he? Yes, physical body after death. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh he himself is going to be resurrected, you know. I shall see God, whom I myself shall behold, and whom mine eyes shall see and not another. My heart faints within me. And I say, Lord, what a blessing that is to my daily life. What an impact that makes on my day-by-day walk with God. To know that Jesus didn't lie. He wasn't just dreaming, just hoping that he would come back from the dead. It was absolutely confirmed three days after his crucifixion that he came alive physically and walked for 40 days among his disciples, explaining to them, as we shall see, about what is coming next. How awful would it have been if Jesus had not risen and therefore his prophecies had totally failed. But thank God he's alive forevermore. Yes, thank God that Jesus is alive forevermore. What a way to end this special broadcast and series. So now, for all of us here on Encounter God's Truth, I'm Wayne Shepherd, encouraging you to make this season one of meditation on Hebrews 13, 15. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving, and may the Lord bless you during these days of Advent. Thanks for listening.